There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When somebody complains about something not being hot enough, sometimes you just have to maliciously comply. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, you can't provide us transportation. Fine, let's talk tomorrow. I was a first-year audit trainee sent to audit a power substation, which is on the outskirts of the city. We travel to the nearest metro station and take a cab to the audit location. In the evening, the client was supposed to provide transportation to the metro, since no cabs are available from there. My seniors, who did the audit last year, informed me that the client provided them transportation last time, and that they would do the same this year too. Cut to, I go to the audit location on the first day, and they figured out this was my first audit. In the evening when it was time to leave, we asked them to arrange transportation. They said they can't provide transportation and that they're not even contractually liable to do so. When we asked they provided last year, what happened now, they told us that it was out of their good heart they provided last year, and they can't now. We had to walk to the nearest bus stop, not even an official one, a kind of informal one, just that buses are known to stop there. I called my seniors on the way home and told them what happened. They said they might be picking on us since we were new. I go to audit the next day. Took a cab, same as yesterday. During the audit, I found out that a few bills are reimbursed beyond limit, say 10 or 20 bucks. Not a big deal, it's just pocket change. Generally, bills are reimbursed in full, even if they're a few bucks above stipulated limit. Kind of like rounding off. No one cares, they're generally looked over, but I thought, screw them. Around afternoon, I showed what I found and asked for an explanation. Initially, they laughed it off, said it was a small thing and not material enough. They said it was a common practice and that they've been doing it for years. But I argued that, how does doing it for a long time make it right? And it was written that they can't reimburse beyond limits. When added together, they would make a considerable sum and I would go through the last seven year records and add them to prove my point. They didn't say anything. In the evening, they just informed us that the transportation is ready. Note. Even when we add all the previous years, I know the observation wouldn't make it to the final report because it isn't material enough when compared with the turnover of the company. I know that. They don't know that. When I told my seniors what happened on the second day on the way home, they laughed their butts off and told me, now you're an auditor, son, and that's how you earn respect in this profession. Some people say fear is not an effective motivator, but it sure seemed to work in this case. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, yes, I'll buy some drugs from you. As requested, here's one of my other experiences. I need to give a quick background to give some details about this though. My wife and I bought an existing retail business which had a previous employee that stole a customer's credit card number and used that to buy drugs from some questionable over the phone pharmaceutical company. This happened before we came along and she was gone by before we ever came into the picture. We had 12 employees working for us that came with the purchase of the business, so they were familiar with what happened before, so we had context. Every 
and I do mean every day, we get a call from this company asking for Wiki because they couldn't say Vicky. So we knew right away what this call was about. And yes, that was the name. She was arrested and convicted, so there was no need to change it. We had two frontline people that would answer the phones, so I never took the calls. But I'd hear about it from time to time. We could not get them to stop. We asked politely. We threatened them with recording, police, FBI, consumer affairs, etc. Nothing. We explained that Wiki had stolen the credit card and is now in jail and has stopped calling. Each time, they'd say okay, but then call back the next day or even the same day sometimes. It was relentless. This went on for over a year when I decided I'd finally heard enough about it and told my employees the next time they call, no matter what I'm doing, I am Vicky, and to give me the phone. I didn't have to wait long. The call came and it was transferred to me and the fun began. They confirmed I was Wiki and proceeded to ask if I wanted to buy some drugs. I said, yes, absolutely, I need some. What do you got? They say Lipitor. I say, yes. Prilosec. Yes. Hydrocodone. Absolutely. Repeated for basically everything they listed. Went on for about 25 or so minutes back and forth with medications. Having them spell it out since I didn't understand what it was, dosages, etc. I said, how about some meth? They said, what? I said, meth, nose candy, eight balls? They said, no, we don't have those. Speed, crank, I could really use some crank. They said, no, we don't sell those. Hash, MJ, weed? No, nothing like that. Fish tranquilizers? What? No. I said, oh, darn. Well, okay, I guess that's enough then. They said, okay, well, great. We just need a credit card to complete the order. I said, oh, yeah. I don't give out my credit card over the phone. I don't feel safe doing that with all the online crime lately. Can I send you a check? They said, no, we need a credit card. I said, I don't want to give that out over the phone. Someone could be listening. They said, oh, no need to worry about that, sir. Our phone calls are encrypted. Background on me. One of my past jobs was selling the hardware, the early stages of the internet used. So this got me going as it's obviously not possible unless both ends are using specialized equipment. We spent a while going back and forth on what solution they were using to encrypt the calls, which was complete BS, of course. I could go on for a while on this part, but it gets tedious. Anyway, I got transferred up to the line two times because they wouldn't accept my offer to send them a check. They needed a credit card. I even offered to send them a check and they could wait for it to clear and then send me the drugs. This actually got the guy to start yelling, no, 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 we need a credit card. I can still hear that in my head to this day and it was almost 20 years ago and I smile every time. At this point, I'm near the one hour mark with these guys, which was my target, so I said, Okay, listen up, freak tards. I've been messing with you guys for the past hour. You've been calling us every day for over a year now trying to sell us drugs. We've tried everything to get you to stop, but you keep calling. So from now on, when you call, I'm going to drop everything and spend as much time on the phone as possible with you guys just to mess with you. I'm going to eat up as much time as possible to make your lives a living heck, so keep calling because this is now a game to me. And as you can tell, I'm enjoying the crap out of this. They hung up. Shocking. But they called back the next day. Rinse and repeat. Again, they hung up. Then a few days went by and I thought they'd learned their lesson. I was wrong. They did call back. But the list of drugs was a lot smaller now. 
so the time spent was a lot less before they caught on. But the game was still on. It took another two or three calls and the list kept shrinking and then they were finally done. The calls were finally gone and I never did get my eight ball. What a shame that the list kept shrinking and they never even had the good stuff. Our next story is, sure, sign me up. I had a few requests for my other post for this story, so here it is. Years ago, when XM Radio was first starting out, I bought a satellite radio, installed it in my car, and subscribed to their services, which I enjoyed. As I traveled long distances often and hated stations cutting in and out, sometime later I sold the car and the radio with it, and I called and canceled my services without any issues. About a month later, my fun began. I started getting a call every two or three weeks wanting to know if I'd like to resubscribe to their services. They could offer me a six month discount, etc. I explained to them that I sold the car and the radio with it, so I no longer had a radio. I was polite the first few times, rude a few times after, didn't even answer the phone sometimes, threatened them with consumer affairs. Nothing seemed to work but every answer was the same for me. I don't have a satellite radio anymore, and they all said that they'd remove me from their call list. This went on for about eight months until I changed my tactic. I was working on a project and the call came in, so I answered. The usual sales pitch started up with the guy wanting to know if I'd like to resubscribe for their services and could offer a welcome back discount. So I stopped what I was doing and said, okay, sure, sign me up. He got happy and started going through all the options and upsells and everything he tried to sell me I said, yes that sounds great. I chose the most expensive package and the GPS traffic updates for the navigation systems, etc. Whatever they had I took it. He gathered all my details, address, email, all which they already had anyway. The whole process took about 20 minutes. Then came the part I was waiting for. I said, okay, we're all set. I just need the radio ID from your radio. I said, I don't have one. Silence. What? I say, I don't have a satellite radio. They say, so why do you want to sign up for our services? I say, I don't. They say, but you said you did. I said, I know, but for the past eight months, I've been telling you that I don't have a radio and to stop calling. But you keep calling. So I thought maybe you guys knew something I didn't. They said, unless you have a radio, you can't sign up for our services. I said, then maybe you guys should stop calling me. Never heard from them again. I just can't imagine how annoying it is to keep getting these calls over and over like, would you like to subscribe and give us money? Like, at least it would be one thing if I was in a position to actually use said services. Our next story is, no one ever makes it hot enough? Okay then, you asked for it. I used to be a chef in a Mexican restaurant in a small town in Australia nearly 40 years ago. We were modestly popular and I loved working there. One night a young man came in to dine with a young lady. It was very obviously a first date. They ordered nachos to share with a side of jalapenos for their entree and he ordered a steak Veracruz, hot, for his main and the young lady ordered a chicken burrito, mild for hers. I, as I usually did throughout the night, would walk around the tables and ask if people were enjoying the food. After the nachos, I checked on them, and the young man informed me that the chili that accompanied the nachos were not hot at all, and that he loved hot food. I was informed that he had traveled extensively and had eaten some of the hottest food in the world and that no one had ever made a dish too hot for him. He reiterated that he wanted his steak main extra hot, 
To be honest, I found him to be pompous and rather obnoxious in the way he was speaking down to me and found myself taking a disliking to him. I will add at this point that the young lady was looking a little uncomfortable and I got the impression her date wasn't going as she had expected. I headed to the kitchen. I made her a lovely chicken burrito while putting together his steak. He wanted it hot? He was going to get it? Our steak Veracruz was usually a steak cooked and topped with our house tomato sauce base, with some capsicums, bell peppers for you Americans, and onions with a touch of chili. On this occasion, I set to work. Keep in mind this was in Australia back in the 80s and we did not get a lot of different chilies back then and a jalapeno was considered hot by most Aussie palates. Hey, we were an uneducated bunch. I had a few bird's eye chilies in the kitchen that were there mainly for the staff and the resident Mexican guitarist's meals, so I started with those. I finally diced about 10 of those with their seeds. I then started sweating off my onions and capsicums. I then threw in the chilies and then I added about a tablespoon of chili powder and about a tablespoon of cayenne. I soon felt the fumes hit my nose and the back of my throat and eyes started watering. I ran to the door of the kitchen to get a breath of breathable air as the air in my tiny kitchen was rapidly becoming unbreathable. I ran back to my pan and put a ladle of the house tomato sauce in. I then let that simmer for a few minutes. I then added some chopped up jalapenos from a jar in my fridge and thought, why not? And went in with a bit more chili powder. I then put the flash fried steak in to finish it off in the sauce, served it all up on a plate with some rice, served up the chicken burrito, and hit the bell for the waitress to serve it to the table. The waitress came back and told me that as she placed it in front of him, he said, this had better be hot. She assured him that the chef had done as he requested. I went to the door of the kitchen joined by my waitress, to watch the show unfold and unfold it did. I watched with glee as he sliced the steak, took a piece on his fork, and with a smug look on his face, he put it in his mouth. He took a chew and then realized his mistake. I saw it. That moment when his face changed but he was trying so hard not to show it, he couldn't. He was on a date and he had bragged so hard and now he had to go through with it. He ate the steak. I could see every ounce of pain on his face. He struggled, he struggled hard. His date watched him with a slight smile on her lips and I got the impression that she was thoroughly enjoying his pain. He went through several jugs of water, he sweated, he barely spoke, he looked darn uncomfortable. At the end of the meal I came out of the kitchen and asked him if he enjoyed his meal. His words? Could have been hotter. He never came back. His date? She became a regular and told us he was an insufferable fool and she never saw him again. I have no regrets other than I wish Carolina Reapers had been around then. I'm just imagining in like the best timeline where OP had one fabled Carolina Reaper sitting in some lockbox just waiting for the right moment to make it into a recipe. You crack it open with that air pressure. Let's see if he thinks this is hot enough. One box? No problem. I have a habit of buying things in bulk and multiples of things when they come in different varieties. For example, boxes Cheez-It flavors or something I frequently buy three to five of different flavors. I like to do this because I don't like going to the store very often. My wife, however, begrudges my snack food buying habits. One day she wanted some groceries to include Cheez-Its and gave me very specific instructions to only get one box of Cheez-Its. 
going so far as to ask me to hold up one finger to indicate I understood her. So, in my best malicious compliance, I went to the grocery store to find the largest box of Cheez-Its I could find. But since the largest box available didn't quite have the oomph I wanted, I went out of my way to go to Costco to find the largest box of Cheez-Its I have ever laid my eyes upon. My wife was not... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. I'm nearly as pleased as I was. I'm not going to lie, this story just makes me want to get some Cheez-Its now. Regular, extra toasty, white cheddar. I'm very tempted. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? Our next story is Malicious Cookies. So I saw a post about someone's no solicitation sign, and it reminded me of this story. Many years ago, I worked at a small neighborhood shop that had just opened, and it was just me and the owner. Since we were a new business, we would get a lot of people trying to sell us advertising and other services. Since I was there by myself most of the time and really didn't want to deal with these people, I put up a no soliciting sign with a little joke that there was the exception if you had Girl Scout cookies. One day, a guy comes in wanting to sell us his SEO services. The owner happened to be there at the time and asked the guy if he saw the sign. Without missing a beat, this guy opens his bag and pulls out a box of Girl Scout cookies and gives them to us. We didn't buy his service, but the owner did let him finish his spiel and actually hung on to his business card instead of trashing it. I'm not gonna lie, it would make a really good impression, like, I would keep somebody like that in mind if they're willing to make that kind of special effort. Our next story is, don't wanna pay cash? Enjoy your weight 
I bartend at a cash-only neighborhood dive bar in a major US city. We've been open for many decades and are about 70% regulars slash semi-regulars. But the big exception to this is during the two street fests that happen outside our bar in the summer. These fests draw tens of thousands of people over a weekend from well outside the neighborhood. And they're normally the only time you can walk around in public with booze in my city. These are also the only times we staff more than one bartender at a time. We'll normally staff all four of us together all weekend long to manage the volume. We have a big sign behind the bar that says, cash only please, but during the fest, we had a sign at the front door. And a few years ago, I got cash only printed on some t-shirts to share with my coworkers. Since then, I've been the only person to keep said shirt, because the only people who bother to read it are the regulars who already know, and it's a good laugh between us. This past summer, during the bigger of the two fests, I had a patron push his way up to the bar literally elbowing a few other patrons waiting to order out of his way. He reaches over the bar and taps the bar maybe an inch from where my hand is holding a plastic cup that's in the middle of being filled. This was immediately two big strikes for me. Don't try to cut the line and don't get in my space or touch the bartender. I give him a look and he starts to order and stops as he reads my shirt. Oh, you're cash only, he says, annoyed. Yes, I say, while finishing up with the patron whose drinks I'd been making. They said, that's okay. I'll wait for one of your co-workers then. I want to pay with a card. It takes me a second to process what he said, and I quickly turn away to avoid laughing in front of him. I quickly get and nudge my co-workers one by one. Hey, dude in the shirt color and khaki hat will only pay with a card, so don't serve him. They roll their eyes and gently elbow me back out of their quarters of the bar. I jump back into my space and resume taking orders from others around him. After about three or four patrons, he interrupts me to ask when someone will come take his order. I said, sorry sir, I let my co-workers know you want to pay with a card, I say and go back to ignoring him. He keeps getting more and more agitated until he finally bullies his way up to the bar in front of one of my other co-workers and tries this all over. When she tells him that the whole bar is cash only and the business doesn't accept plastic, he gets bright red and comes back to scream at me. I just laugh and tell him I'd happily have corrected his mistake if he'd been even remotely respectful, but since he didn't show any respect for the time of our other patrons, I didn't think he wanted his time respected either. He yelled once or twice more and finally stormed off. I think what I actually told him was to freak off, but my rose-tinted memory glasses remember saying that, so let's roll with it. Told the owner what went down after we closed that night, and we all had a big hearty laugh. Best part is, we may finally start selling cash-only shirts for the bar next summer. The first official shirt the bar's ever sold. I say if it's a hit, sell that shirt. Although I know going to this bar would suck for me because I just never have any bills on me. Our next story is, come into my restaurant 10 minutes early? Sure. I'll say it now, the title may be a bit misleading. Background. I used to work for a vegan falafel joint that served it kebab style with different condiments and toppings. Think Subway. The branch I worked at was really supposed to be a takeout place, but you could come in and we'd have a couple of seats right in front of the counter behind some glass. As such, the place was tiny and easily felt cramped. This is important later. I was working the early shift that day, and I had to come in at 9.30 to start my 10 o'clock shift, which isn't too bad. But still, around 9.50, in come two ladies who were clearly tourists. 
Not uncommon around the area, as it was a nightlife district. We get a lot of stragglers coming from the night before. They go to seat themselves in front of the counter. Now, those 30 minutes before the shift was crucial for me. I got in the zone and had a method to the madness of how me and my boss prepare for the start of the day. It was a two-person job, and my boss heard them as they came in. I spoke English, so he expected me to deal with them. As they're about to get seated, I say, I'm so sorry, we don't open until 10 o'clock. They gave me the biggest stink eye and ask, Well, yeah, but can't we just wait here until you're ready? Lady, I haven't even swept yet the floor you're standing on, so no. Again, we're not done preparing yet, so I'm going to have to ask you to wait outside. Exasperated, they say something to each other in French. Now, I've studied French for five years and interned in Paris before, so I caught that they said, That's absurd, these guys are witches. Note that there's a masculine and feminine form, but they decided to twist the language in a way to also be derogatory. When I finally let them in, they have that, ugh, finally, look on their face. I go about their business and ask them what toppings they want. They scan the display and their eyes land on one pan. My boss and I are somewhat of a spicy guy, so we keep jalakia peppers for those who like the extra kick. Remember, I mentioned the area was for the nightlife district but also it was sandwiched by the engineers on the other side. As such, we got a fair bit of Indians. They wanted that jalakia pepper. The name was Chili Chili Bell Bell because the way we sautéed it in its own juices made your tongue and brain go ding ding ding. I tell them that okay. Now hold on, it's very spicy. They give me that ugh look again and then say to each other in French, null, useless. Okay, game on. I whip out my best Parisian, which I know is from the same area as theirs, Moroccan Parisian, commonly spoken in the 4 Eme district. Attention, mesdames, these peppers are very hot. They realize I understood what they said before, instantly change gears and reply, oh, that's no problem, we're used to it. With a smile, I say, absolutely, and start loading both of theirs with five to six of these peppers. For context, we're only allowed to put one or two for customers. Even I can only handle three. My boss is at the back pretending not to see, but he absolutely knows what I'm doing. I hand over this pepper-stuffed monstrosity to them, clean up the counter a bit, and fix myself a cup of tea. I watch them take the first bite and see their eyes widen with horror at the mistake they've just done. I sip in my tea as to not make it obvious that I'm grinning ear to ear. At this point, my boss is laughing his butt off behind the kitchen windows. I watch them sweat and fume right in front of my eyes and refill their water. In the end, they were champs and finished it all, but not without putting up a good fight. That's what you get for calling us witches. I guess revenge is a dish best served hot. As somebody that cannot tolerate almost any spice, I have a lot of respect just for tolerating one. Our next story is sharing household chores. I learned to cook when I was pretty young, elementary aged, because of family issues. I'm not a chef, I cook home style without super expensive or exotic ingredients and with the intent to feed a number of people, but I've always paid attention when other people cook, read cookbooks, and generally try to be better at it. I'm also a guy. None of the women I've been in serious relationships with in my life had any idea of how to cook. I don't care, they were all professionals and smart but didn't grow up in environments that taught them to cook. But it became an issue in my first serious relationship. 
She was in a doctoral psychology program and also did work study. I was in an undergraduate STEM program full-time and worked full-time. I easily put in 20 hours a week or more of work than she did, but it didn't bother me. What did bother me was cooking dinner for the two of us every night during breaks. So I made her an offer. I'll cook twice for every time you cook, which meant she had to cook twice a week. We went out to a restaurant together once a week, and I cooked four times per week. If any dinner offers came up, it came out of her share. Coincidental, since one of her nights was when we usually got invited to eat with one of our families. There was a lot of conflict at first, and I didn't get it. I thought she was trying to get out of our agreement. I also did most of the housework and shopping, and I felt taken advantage of, because we ended up having takeout on our nights the first few weeks. Since we had a common budget, that didn't feel fair, and I told her that. So, on the first night that she was going to cook, I stayed around just in case she needed help. We were both in our mid-twenties at the time. Finally, she broke down crying in the kitchen. She was going to make mac and cheese and hot dogs, but she didn't know how to boil hot dogs. No microwave for us back then? More than that, she didn't know how to boil water. I felt a mix of feeling really bad for the situation and inwardly wanting to, well, laughing wouldn't have been very nice. So I showed her how to put water in a pan, put it on the stove and wait till it boiled. The malicious compliance? It wasn't on my side. We were together for another four years or so after that. We continued our agreement on sharing the housework over that period, me doing the vast majority of it while working 10 or 20 hours more per week than she did. Once she mastered the basics of store-bought mac and cheese, boil the noodles, melt butter in a pan, add the pre-packaged seasoning, etc., she never felt the urgency to move on, to grow as an aspiring chef. We had mac and cheese and boiled hot dogs for 4 years times 52 weeks times the average of 1.7 times per week, some 350 more times after that. If I asked if she might consider cooking something else this week, she'd say she'd be happy to. Except she was really in the mood for hot dogs and mac and cheese, so maybe next week? My friends started joking, privately with me, about how wasteful just throwing out all of that dirty hot dog water was, and how many other things she could make with it. Dirty hot dog water soup, iced dirty hot dog water cocktails, etc. One friend had dirty hot dog water shirts made and gave them to us for Christmas gifts. I was a little mortified, but my other half didn't get it, thank goodness. One of my friends ended up going the stand-up comedian route, dropping out of school to do it. He ended up pretty successful, staff writer for a popular syndicated show, and he made dirty hot dog water jokes constantly whenever he got back to town. And some of them made their way onto the program he wrote for. One time he came back and did a headline act at the club he got started at on open mic night. He got us a dozen tickets and our group of friends and my other half got premium placement at a table front and center in the club. He did his whole act on dirty hot dog water. Our table was howling in laughter and every single person in the club was silent, including my other half, until they started booing. Ironically, later in life, I discovered what we really were wasting was the pasta water. I've always just thrown it out after cooking noodles, but really, use it anywhere you need water in a recipe? And it makes sense, especially homemade spaghetti sauce. 
Now, I'm not gonna lie, I love mac and cheese and hot dogs. I probably wouldn't even complain if I went a week or two where it was every other meal I had. But let's be real, after a week or two of experiencing that, anybody's going to be tired of that, right? This had to be weaponized incompetence, where they found something that worked for them with minimal effort and they just stuck to it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.